Caitlin, who are we canceling today? How about the Washington Post? Yeah, I can get behind that. <laughs> Easy yes from me. The cancel daddy hath spoken. Hey everyone, I'm Caitlin Burns. And I'm Oliver Ash Clyde. And you're listening to Cancel Me Daddy. The show where we take a closer look at all of the panic round cancel culture. With thoughtful analysis. And verbal shit posting. Um, so Caitlin, I saw on your Twitter that you've been watching some Ted Lasso. Yes, I'm very, very late to it, but I watched, actually binged the entire first season in one sitting. Honestly, you're only a week behind me. Yeah. So, um, and then the season two uh, premiere was, came out Friday and it was delightful. I can't wait to watch it. I'm going to watch it later today. I'm just going to say the first bit in the first episode is so absurd and hilarious that I was laughing for like 10 minutes. Okay, y'all, if you're not watching Ted Lasso, like, I highly recommend it. I'm usually not a shell for like anything, but this show is so (laughs) happy and feel good. And it's also about sports. I hate sports, but this show is so good. So let me ask you this. Is Ted Lasso uncancelable? I think so. So I, I made a joke to Caitlin that I think Ted Lasso is the only like cishet white guy that I don't want to cancel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I he's just he's just so pure and optimistic and happy and kind hearted. Um, and he's got a lot of like Oliver Himbo energy, which I appreciate. <laughs> Even though he's going through tough times, right? Like you see him at several points where you know he's at, he's really low, um, but he still like keeps his kind heart. Uh, it's really refreshing in 2021 to have you know media that you know is kind but still funny, right? Yeah, I don't see I don't see that a lot. Something that's like that kind and also hilarious. I kept waiting for them to like heel turn into like cruelty. It never came. So that was I think the thing that that sucked me in and you know, I was singing to myself the other day. <laughs> He's here, he's there, he's every fucking way. Roy can. Roy can. <laughs> That's about the extent of my singing skills, by the way. Um, that that scene made me made me feel a lot of feelings. <laughs> so um, we could probably do the whole show on Ted Lasso, but we should probably get into <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess we can't talk about Ted Lasso the whole episode. We've got to talk about cancel culture. Um, that's fair. What if we just turn this into a Ted Lasso podcast? We could call it Uncancel Me Daddy. <laughs> I'm going to veto that. Um, okay, I'm down sorry. to talk about Ted Lasso occasionally. Why are you silencing my free speech? I'm not silencing your free speech. We have made a pact with our audience about what this podcast is. And while we can kind of go some other places, 
I feel like we can't just pick up and make a Ted Lasso podcast. Okay, fair. I also don't listen to TV podcasts and I don't understand them. (laughs) So we got a lot of um, delightful comments on Twitter the last couple weeks that I just wanted to share with you, Caitlin. One that I think that you'll appreciate is Margaret Middleton can't get enough of your sexy intonation of the podcast title when you introduce Cancel Me Daddy. (laughs) You mean when I say Cancel Me Daddy? Yes, just like that. (laughs) It's so sexy and hilarious. I love it. And so does everybody else, obviously. (laughs) The second one I wanted to share was John H. wrote that our last episode was outstanding and one which raises some really vital questions about both the importance and limitations of personal responsibility and Twitter usage. Yeah, I was really happy with our last show with Emily. I thought it was really strong. Emily was so good. Yeah, so, so good. Smart. We'll have to have her back on at some point. Absolutely. Could listen to her talk for like... I don't know, several hours. (laughs) (laughs) She has so many smart things to say. And that was that was definitely one of my favorite episodes of ours. And I think that our listeners really enjoyed it, too, because I saw a ton of comments all over the place. Yeah, me too. And we really appreciate it. We will we will continue reading your comments and Apple podcast reviews on the show. So if you want a little little shout out want to be in our little shameless self promo you know what to do and with that let's get to the show so today we are going to talk about the washington post and felicia somnez's lawsuit against the publication for barring her from covering stories about sexual assault and violence after she spoke up against her own, which is really awful. Um, So uh, full disclosure, I have written for the Washington Post before, and Felicia and I are also Twitter mutuals. So just keep that framing in mind as we have this discussion. But for those of you who aren't familiar, one of the claims in the lawsuit that I wanted to focus in on in this show is uh, she was banned from covering sexual assault stories, specifically the Brett Kavanaugh story, which was probably the biggest uh, sexual assault media story um, in politics, which is her beat uh, of the last 50 years, maybe. (laughs) At least back till Clarence Thomas. which is a lot further back than I care to admit it was, because I do remember when that happened. (laughs) And that means I'm old. But, you know, she was very outspoken about her own sexual assault, and her editors thought that that was her showing bias and making herself the center of the story. She had previously come out with allegations against... Uh, a reporter previously at the LA Times that sort of caught a lot of attention at the time. But I think that the way the Post treated Felicia was deplorable personally. But it also opens up a lot of questions about media bias, um, free speech, and what it means to be a reporter in the 21st century that I think 
kind of intersects with uh, everything that we talk about on this show. What do you think? That's very topical for our show. Absolutely. You know, I think one thing that really struck me about the lawsuit that just kind of highlights the hypocrisy and the lack of thought that went into how the Post treated her was that there was another reporter with allegations against him that wasn't banned from covering these kinds of stories. Mm. Um, And to me, that highlights that this isn't actually about, I mean, it obviously like isn't about quote unquote objectivity because that's not real. But like that to me, that really emphasizes that it's about PR and it's about the appearance of a conflict or whatever, rather than like actual reality. And it's about like protecting the business and the PR and the image and not actually like what the reporting is um, and not actually having care for their employees at all. Um, Yeah. I think the post was more worried about the appearance of bias in this case than actual bias. Uh, because I'm just going to kind of run through exactly what I said, but go keep it. Um, because a reporter is going to report a story the way they're going to report it. They're going to bring their full selves to it. They're going to incorporate their previous experiences into it. That's like part of the value of good reporting is that, um, you know, reporters can place uh, current events in in context, right? And and readers come to stories with all kinds of different backgrounds, and the good reporters will help them see sort of the truth. I don't think the Post is really concerned about that. They just want to appear like they're like neutral observers or whatever. I think that if Felicia hadn't said anything about her own sexual assault, they probably would have kept her on the story, but that's still bullshit, right? Like she was punished for just talking about her own life. And I don't think that should ever really happen. Right. And it's weird that they like accused her of being an activist for speaking up about sexual violence that happened to her regarding another reporter in the industry. Like, yeah, that just seems so backwards to me and to me suggests that the post would rather the poster and at least the people making the decisions about what felicia would cover doesn't think that we should be speaking out against these kinds of things which is actually quite disturbing and troubling to me yeah they also took steps to like suppress her talking about it internally did you see this part no were they so she prepared an email to like her team talking about how she was banned by like higher ups from covering these stories and one of the reasons why she wanted to send this email is that she didn't want to be because she was she kept being asked to cover sexual assault related stories um because editors had forgotten that she was banned or they weren't aware and she just wanted to like clear the air on it so she wouldn't have to constantly 
bring up the fact that no, she's banned from covering these things. And the, and she sent the email to her higher ups for like approval. And they basically are like, you can't send this. And again, I think that was about appearances. Uh, like they didn't want to be made to look bad. Like they were, they knew what they did to her was wrong. And um, they didn't want people to know about it. You right? can't have so it both ways. You can't have it both ways. Right. Exactly. And I don't know that I could work under those circumstances um, and kind of bravo to her. Like we should all be demanding better of the Washington Post. But, you know, she is suffering from depression and intense anxiety. Like she's had death and rape threats and the Post responded by suspending her rather than protecting her. And, you know, thankfully the union, the Washington Post union helped overturn the suspension. But like the Post doesn't know what they're doing with the 21st century social media when it comes to their employees. I think the era of reporters appearing to be unbiased is probably, hopefully, coming to a close. Please, God. Please, God. <sighs> because it rewards it rewards certain people, right? It rewards those who aren't willing to rock the boat, who aren't willing to sort of put their necks on the line to shake the powers that be, right? They're not really speaking truth to power. When you're concerned about appearing biased, the tendency in that case is to sort of bury the truth in an effort to write an even-handed story. And I think this is how we ended up with, you know, the situation we where we have now where you have, you know, right-wing media who will is basically propaganda and then you have the rest of the media trying to appear unbiased who give like this weak-willed both sides nonsense and that's how you end up with you know uh somebody with a very credible accusation of sexual assault on the supreme court the attitude that permeates the post you know their tagline is democracy dies in darkness and they fucking put her in the dark for just speaking up about a horrific thing that happened to her. And once again, we're recording the show and I'm getting incredibly angry the more and more we go on. What is happening with this? I mean, there's a lot to be angry about. Um, there's a lot of bullshit. So, you know, I, th- I, th- I think that's a completely reasonable reaction. <laughs> So, Caitlin, there are like seven different directions that we could go on from there. Um, One thing that I keep thinking about is where this idea of objectivity and journalism comes from, because it's this myth that we've been like taught as journalists and in a lot of ways, like indoctrinated with like, I know that that was like one of the very first things that I learned when I was like uh, being taught journalism. And if you actually look where that comes from and why that's a value that our industry has, it actually goes back to capitalism. I'm like papers used to not be and not strive for objectivity at all. 
And there was a move towards that so they could sell more papers, so they could be more, you know, appealing to broad audiences. And so, you know, I think that when we, as journalists, we talk about objectivity being this like noble thing where we can be like above it all and report the truth. But it actually exists to sell more papers and came into being to not rock the boat or upset certain readers. And like, I think when you are able to see it from that perspective, this thing that we've been taught and indoctrinated is this like noble value and thing to strive for. This thing that we hold is this like sacrosanct value is actually corrupt and bad. Um, I also want to talk about our favorite people, the free speech grifters. Mm. I found it interesting because the lawsuit mentions two people who actually don't work for the Post. Um, It mentions Emily Yaffe and Caitlin Flanagan, both of whom write for The Atlantic. Emily Yaffe um used to be the dear prudence person at slate and no longer is and she's more known now for defending people who've been accused of sexual misconduct yikes that is a trajectory yeah i mean i remember reading her i used to read dear prudence every day but i remember she wrote a story for Slate, where she was basically like, if if college-aged women don't want to get sexually assaulted, they should just not drink at parties, which is really shitty and wrong. That is pretty disgusting. Yeah. Heartless, if you will. Really victim-blaming and gross. Um, on August 23rd, 2019, Yafi published a story in Reason Magazine about Samnez's sexual assault allegations. Um, it was Samnez and another woman. And before that, when Yafi was trying to get an interview with Samnez, she accidentally forwarded an email to Felicia about that was meant for her editor where she said that women, quote, convince themselves they are victims and that, quote, there is a thrill in publicly denouncing someone. Um, She also wrote that she, quote, loved the details of the other potential interviewees encounter with the man that Samna is accused of sexual assault. Um, And the details, of course, were the sexual assault, which is really a weird and gross thing to say. After the the story in Reason was published, Samnas just was inundated with abusive messages on social media, yeah. uh, calling her evil and sociopathic. Um, there were messages that said, "If any women deserve to be raped, it's these two. She got death threats out of it. It's pretty clear from the facts presented in the lawsuit that this is what <laughs> what Yafi intended by publishing the story. It's kind of her MO at this point. But the reason why I bring her up is uh, she was a signer on the, on the infamous Harper's letter. Of course she was. Of course. And if you go back to that letter, there is a passage in there where it says, 
where it's going through the various things that those people were concerned happened because of, quote, cancel culture. And one of them says, we're concerned that, and it lists a bunch of things, and it says, journalists are barred from writing on certain topics. Huh. Why aren't any of them speaking up about this? Why aren't they? Very curious. Well, it could be because Yaffe and Flanagan, who are both named in this lawsuit, are like are in the clique of these free speech advocates. It's all just about, you know, being in the in-group, being in the, you know, the right email lists and having the right contacts. Like it's it's like an old boys network, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just I find it so deeply ironic that these people profess these uh, beliefs about free speech and they're completely hypocritical about it when somebody that they disagree with gets targeted by this. Yeah, you know, I think that um, something else that I wanted to circle back around to was when you brought up um, Felicia Sobnaz was dealing with depression and anxiety. And I think you know, so often in workplaces, the expectation is that like, especially in journalism, is that you like, suck it up and you do your job and blah, blah, blah. Um, but the reality is that these kinds of situations where you're being discriminated against and undermined and harassed can really impact your mental health and your well-being. Um, and I think that employers have a responsibility not to inflict trauma on their employees. You know, one of the most frustrating things about this to me is that, like, that this policy and the way they went about it actually makes the post-journalism worse, and I think too often newspapers are uh, capitulating to right-wing radicals harassing journalists online. And it's also like this futile task. Like as papers are trying to make themselves marketable and re- uh, and a, a source of news that will be trusted by folks on the right, that's actually just not something that's going to happen. If you look at the way that, sorry, I this is a whole nother rabbit hole and we're not going to get too far down it, but if you actually look at the way that the right-wing movement has funneled disinformation and cut folks off from reliable sources of information, and, and you look at the way that they've been systematically doing that and working on that for the past 40 years, you're not going to fix that problem by trying to capitulate to right-wing ideology because there's been so much brainwashing and cutting off um, people from like reliable sources of information that just being like, oh, we're going to cover this in a slightly different way. And we're going to just like go with whatever the right-wing wants about who should be covering what like that doesn't that that doesn't solve your business problem and it it also makes your coverage shit so like i don't know what you're doing sorry i'm mad about it (laughs) i'm really (laughs) mad about it it's an anger inducing situation all around
So that was a lot. Yeah. You can say that again. <laughs> but let's get to some out of context cancellations. Yes. Um, Please. Okay, first thing we're going to do is cancel landlords. Landlords, yes, please. Let's do it. Let's get rid of them. They take your money. They drive up housing costs. Yeah, I mean, being a landlord isn't (laughs) like having a job. Yeah, it's theft. You spend your money. uh, You drive up housing prices in your area. You spend your money, and then you rent out your property that you bought that you drove the price up on everybody else you rent it out to those same people like like you beat out in competition for the house yeah and you're thieving from people with less money than you and you and like your only job is to maintain the property and you can just hire somebody to do that like it's not it's not a real job honestly it's just exploiting your wealth just um, that for personal gain and to the detriment of everybody else. Yeah. Next, we're going to cancel straw polls. What is the point? I don't... What's the context for this one? I don't know. Okay, so... Out of context. We should have context, though. <laughs> Wait, did I just ask for context on out of context cancellations? Yeah, I think I think um, I don't have my phone with me at this moment, so I can't I can't look up exactly the uh, the combo. But I be- think I believe they were given too much weight. They have too much weight in who wins, and there's too much media attention on them, and they have too much influence. Well, my personal opinion is that. The media shouldn't pay attention to any polls, but that's just me. Get rid of all polls. Fuck it. Did I ever tell you when I applied for my job at Fox, um, I was meeting with like the the political editors there and they asked me for like my hottest political take. And I said, I don't believe in polls. (laughs) How'd that go? They were shocked and appalled, but I don't, I think they're kind of useless. Like, I think the way that they're used is useless. Like you see Democrats and they'll be making an argument and then they'll stop and they'll say, well, 70% of the country thinks that like agrees with us on this. And it's like, nobody cares about that. Make your argument and convince people. Don't say, well, we're going for this because it polls well, like that is phony and I hate it. So I think that polls are essentially useless and even like horse race polls and like political races makes for worse coverage because it's like you're looking to see how individual campaign events or happenings move the polls that's not really news you should be reporting what's happening like during the campaign not who's winning so those are my that's my hot take on polls did not expect to get the spicy and out of out of context cancellations but that's just me and then they always had me write the poll, pe- like the poll wrap-ups piece. <laughs> <laughs> Box after that. <laughs> so, well, because you you were skeptical, so your your coverage would be better, right? Yeah, I'm shocked that they hired me after that. <laughs> so, I'm not sure if I fully agree with you that we should cancel all polls. I do agree that they are often used poorly. But the cancel daddy is an agent of chaos. And so we will cancel all polls. 
You're like the Loki of cancel culture. I am. I am. And I'm not ashamed of it. Uh, someone wanted to cancel chronic pain, um, specifically arthritis pain. Yes. And yeah, chronic pain fucking sucks. When I was having my uh, thyroid problems a few months ago, one of the side effects was um, basically chronic arthritis in my hands and wrists, and it was awful. Oh, yeah. Bad news. Um, really no, not good I, for a writer, by the way. You don't... As someone who has had carpal tunnel in both of my hands? Yeah. I can attest that it... I, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. So here's the thing. I woke up with horrible back pain, and I had my horrible back pain for the last couple of days. And is that just what happens when you turn 30? Is that oh like... Oh my god, you're so young. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Does your body just start falling apart? Is that okay, how so this works? Every time I get a new computer chair, I get back pain for like two weeks. And I just got one. So No! But hopefully over time it will be a better chair. I think it is. Okay. Fingers crossed. Um, and lastly, we are going to cancel all queer discourse. Please! Please, I need, we need to stop the queer discourse. It's, it's too messy. It's just too messy. We had asked in our discord to cancel specific queer discourse things, but they were different things. And I said, you know what? How about we just get rid of it all? Please. How about we just get rid of all of queer discourse? Yeah. The cancel daddy would be very happy. Can I... Can I add my own out of context cancellation? Yes, of course. This is not brought up in the Discord server, but I would like to cancel the Olympics. Fuck yeah. Why are they doing the Olympics right now? There's like a COVID outbreak there. It's really unsafe. And like all of these athletes are going to be exposed. Like it just seems like a recipe for disaster but um if i could do a tiny bit of self-promotion i am writing a very short series of medium posts they're like editorials about the olympics so if you want to check that out you can find my twitter and get to the links um, i wrote about how we should <laughs> deep six the olympics already so we started off with a bang <laughs> Well, I always love when you have some self-promotion because I love reading your incredible work and hearing all your smart thoughts. So thank you for that, Caitlin. Well, you're welcome. I don't know how smart those thoughts are, but you're welcome. I'm going to be checking out your Olympic medium coverage. Um, and then if you have things that you want us to cancel, you can join our Discord by becoming a Patreon and submit Topics for out-of-context cancellations. Yeah, access to our Discord is for anybody who contributes at least $5 a month to our Patreon. I think it's a really cool place. We have a small but fun little community with daily discussion. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We have other perks as well. So check that out. It's patreon.com slash cancelmedaddy. And your support helps us become a weekly show. Today's show was made by me, Oliver Ash Klein, and my incredible co-host, Caitlin Burns. Daniel Peterschmidt made our theme song, and Ian M.W. designed our graphics. They both did such good jobs. Hire them for other stuff. 
Our show is made possible by the incredible cancelers supporting our work, especially the members of our Canceler Hall of Fame, with the great power to cancel all of their enemies. Meg and Alice. We appreciate your support. Happy canceling!